0: CHAPTER Twenty Five of Pecavi by E. W. Horning. This, LibriVox, recording is in the public domain. SIGNS OF CHANGE Georgie was a short head taller, and no pinafore concealed the glories of his sailor suit, but it was still the same baby face, round as the eyes, that greeted all comers, with the same friendly gaze. His sentences were longer and more ambitiously constructed, but he still said, and I wish I would, and when excited, my Jove! And his lady once more danced attendance by the hour and day together, for Sir Wilton and Lady Gleed were paying visits until September, and Sidney was still understood to be making up for lost time at Cambridge. Gwynneth had enjoyed the child society the year before. Now she seemed dependent upon it, She would have him with her daily on one pretext or another, sometimes upon none at all. She said she liked to hear him talk, and that was well, for Georgie's tongue only rested in his sleep. But now there was often an intrinsic interest in his conversation. He gave Gwynneth many an item of village news which was real news to her. Thus it was from his own lips that she first heard of his accident on seeing the scar through his hair. "'Of course I was in bed,' swaggered Georgie. "'I was in bed for years and years and years, in bed and sensible.' "'Oh, Georgie, do you mean insensible?' "'No, sensible, I tell you.' "'Did you know what was going on?' "'Course I didn't, not a bit. How could I, when I was sensible?' "'My poor darling, it might have killed you. How ever did you do it?' "'But as so often happens in such cases, That was what Georgie had never been able to remember. So Gwyneth turned to Jasper Musk, who sat within earshot. It was in the Flint House garden, on the very afternoon of her return. "'That was my fault,' said Jasper, gruffly enough, yet with such a glance at Georgie that Gwyneth was sorry she had broached the subject and changed it at once. But she reverted to it as soon as she had Georgie to herself. Who had looked after him when he was ill? She was feeling very jealous of somebody. Granny did. No one else. And granddaddy. Was that all, Georgie? Gwynneth was very sorry she had ever gone abroad. Course it wasn't all, said Georgie, remembering. There was the funny old man from the church. Mr. Carlton? Yes. So he came to see you? Yes, he often. I love him, Georgie announced with emphasis. He makes lovely, lovely, lovely faces. And does he ever come now? No, not now, of course he doesn't. He's too busy building this church. So he's building still? Yes, cause he builds wery nicely, Georgie was pleased to say. Better'n me. He builds far better'n me. And is he still alone? all alone said georgie all a loney pony by his own little self and the inconsequent nonsense sent him off into untimely laughter louder and more uproarious than ever quite a virile guffaw but gwynneth could not even smile and now when neither listening to georgie nor haunted by her engagement gwynneth began to think of the lonely outcast behind those trees as she had begun indeed to think of him the spring before last while her mind and life were yet unfilled by the motley interests which this last year had brought into both the thought afflicted her with a sense of personal hardness and cruelty there was this lonely man doing the work of ten not spasmodically but day after day and year after year still unaided and unforgiven by the very people in whose midst and for whose benefit those prodigies of labour were being performed. Gwynneth knew now that there had been some mysterious wickedness before the burning of the church. It was all she cared to know. What crime could warrant such hardness of heart in the face of such devotion, skill, patience, consummate endurance, and invincible determination? These were heroic qualities, no matter what vileness lay beneath or behind them and the generous capacity for hero-worship was very strong in Gwyneth. She would have honoured this man for his splendid pertinacity, and have wiped all else from the slate. That his own parishioners continued to dishonour him, and that she, perforce, had to do as they did, made her indignant with them and dissatisfied with herself. So far as Gwyneth was honestly aware, this feeling was a purely impersonal one. It would have been excited by any other being who had achieved the like, and been thus rewarded. It is noteworthy, however, that Gwynneth found it necessary to explain the position to herself. It was strange, too, how her life had impinged upon his, strange because the points of contact had in each case left a disproportionate impression upon her mind. She often thought of them. There was once in the very beginning when she had actually stopped him in the village to ask the name of the poem from which he had quoted on Sunday. Gwynneth had never told a soul about this. She was so ashamed of her unmaidenly impulse. But she still remembered the look of pleasure that had flashed through his pain and the kind, sad voice which both answered her question and thanked her for asking it. That must have been only a day or two before the fire the same summer there was that silent scene between them in the drawing-room when she longed to shake hands with them to show him her sympathy but did not dare then came the finding of georgie in the stonemason's shed only the spring before last but gwynneth found that she had been gauche as usual even then and that she had never risen to any of these occasions but that her one small attempt to express her sympathy had been nothing less than a piece of tactless presumption on her part. And yet she felt so much. Well, it was something that Musk had opened his doors to him, if only under pressure of a harrowing occasion. Even then it was much, very much, in the prime infidel of the parish. It was a beginning, an example, it might show others the way. Gwyneth presently discovered that it had. She had not brought Georgie to see the Saddler this time, and she was trying to follow that thinker's harangue as though she had really come to him for political instruction, but all the while the sound from among the trees distracted her attention and mystified her mind. It was neither the ringing impact of iron upon iron, nor the swish of a sharp steel point through the soft sandstone. It was the drone of a saw, as Gwynneth knew well enough, when she was asked what the sound was in the first opportunity afforded her that's the reverend said the saddler dryly it sounds like sawing said disingenuous Gwynneth. has he reached the roof god love you miss not he Gwynneth was consumed with an interest that she feared to show especially with the saddler looking at her through his spectacles as others had done when mr carlton supplied the topic of conversation it was a look that seemed to ask her how much she knew and it always offended her she did not want to know what he had done all her interest was in what he was doing alone there behind the trees yet now she felt that speak she must if it was only to soften a single heart in the very slightest degree towards that unhappy man, and she had come to the saddler with no other purpose. "'Does no one go near him yet?' she asked, point-blank. The saddler leaned across his bench. The girl had refused the only chair in the little workshop, and was standing outside at the open window, as all his visitors did. "'You won't tell Sir Wilton, miss?' "'I shan't go out of my way to make mischief, Mr. Fuller, if that's what you mean.' "'But you had better not tell me any secrets,' said Gwynneth, with a coldness that cost her an effort. However, the saddler's skin was in keeping with his calling. "'Then you can keep that or not,' said he, "'as you think fit. But I go and see him now and then, and what's more, I'm not ashamed of it.' "'I should think not,' the girl broke out, and Fuller sunned himself in the warmth of fine eyes on fire i mean stammered gwynneth after all this time and all he has done what i said to myself last christmas miss and i'm the only man that say it to-day in this here village full of old women and hypocrites if you'll excuse my blunt way of speaking to a young lady like you this here's gone on long enough thinks i and it's the season of peace and goodwill i says to myself darned if i don't step across the road to cheer up the poor old reverend and sir wilton can turn me out of house and home if he find out and think proper don't you mistake me miss i wasn't thinking of sir wilton in what i said just now and ought not to have said to a young lady like you no miss sir wilton has his own quarrel with the reverend and i had my quarrel as far as that go but God love you, a man of my experience can afford to forgive and forget and be generous as well as just. There isn't a juster man alive than me, Miss Gwynneth, and not a soul in this parish or out of it that can say I'm not generous too. I'm sure of it, Mr. Fuller, but did you go over to the rectory? There and then, cried Fuller, there and then, and I told him straight that I, for one— "'But that's no use to go over what I said, and he said,' observed the saddler hastily, "'I can only tell you that in ten minutes we were chatting away as though nothing had ever come between us. And what do you suppose, miss? What do you suppose?' Gwynneth shook her head, unable to imagine what was coming, and anxious to hear. He hadn't seen a newspaper in all these years, hadn't so much as heard of that there home rule bill of old Gladstone's, and didn't even know there'd been a war in the Sowden. Gwynneth looked equally ignorant of this. You know, miss, the Sowden, where General Gordon was betrayed and deserted by them varmin you stick up for? But we won't quarrel no more about that, only to think of the poor old Reverend knowing no more about it than the man in the moon until I told him. "'Why, if I had to tell him one of the royal family was dead and buried, "'it would have been just the same if it had been the Queen herself, God bless her.' "'So he has been absolutely shut off from the world,' Gwyneth murmured. "'There you've hit it, miss, shut off from the world. "'There you've put it into better language than I did,' said the Saddler, "'with his most complimentary air. "'Gord love you, miss. "'It used to be the Reverend that passed his standard on to me.' But ever since last christmas it's been me that's taken my east anglian over to him so the boot's been on the other leg properly and right glad i've been to do anything for him and to take my pipe across now and then as though nothing had ever happened not that he fair to care much for that neither he've been so long alone i do believe he've got to like his own society as well as any yes miss shut off from the world he have been and he is but he won't be shut off from the world much longer. Oh? Gwyneth's interest was reawakened. No, said Fuller, with the air of mystery, in which his class delights. No, miss, he's not one to be shut off longer than he can help. Hear that sound? I do, indeed. Latterly, she had been listening to nothing else. That's a saw. Well, do you know what he's sawing? "'No. Planks for benches.' Gwyneth repeated the last word in a puzzled whisper, and so stood staring until the obvious explanation had become obvious to her. It remained inexplicable. "'I don't see the good of benches before the church is finished, Mr. Fuller.' "'He mean to hold his services, whether that's finished or not, and I mean to attend them,' the saddler said with an air. "'But—' Uh, i thought he was suspended for five year and the bishop has given him leave to get the work directly the five year is up that i happen to know it must be nearly up now that's up next sunday as ever is and you'll know it when you hear the bell ring he's got one of the old uns slung to a tree for i helped him to sling it and it's the first help he's had all this time "'I wouldn't mention it, miss, for the Reverend doesn't want a crowd. "'There'll be quite enough come when they hear the bell, "'if it's only to see what happens. "'But the whole neighbourhood'll be there if that get about.' "'And this really going to be service in the church, "'just as it is, without a roof, this very next Sunday?' "'It sounded incredible to Gwyneth, "'and yet it thrilled her as the incredible does not. "'The very drone of the saw was thrilling now.' there is miss and i mean to be there said the village hampton with inflated chest i can't help it if that costs me sir wilton's custom the reverend and me are good friends again and i mean to be there chapter twenty five